It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with a quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's Wednesday, so that means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the Daily News. Hey, Manish, what's going on? How you doing, Scott? It is a beautiful day on the baseball field for Christian Hackenberg. That's how I'm doing. What a world (laughs) we live in. I thought that Tim Tebow was going to be the only former Jets quarterback to try and make a run in professional baseball, but apparently Christian Hackenberg has decided to do the same. It's funny, though, Manish. I was looking at the statistics from the last time that he was a pitcher, and his ERA was like a 7.50. So I kind of have a tough time thinking that he's going to end up making it anywhere in baseball, but I give the kid kudos for going after another part of his dream. Yeah, he's 25 years old. Uh, you know, as he said uh, this week, he's an extremely competitive guy, so this is a, another outlet uh, from a competitive standpoint. And, look, he hasn't pitched competitively since high school uh, when he was at uh, Fork Union Military Academy. And then, obviously, uh, he went down the football path uh, to Penn State and uh, you know, hasn't pitched since. But, look, you're 25 years old, uh He's made a lot of money, relatively speaking, you know, to your average 25-year-old. So, uh, you know, you've got a small window to be a professional athlete, uh, whether it's at the highest level or at a middling level. Uh, so, you know, why not? Why not give it a shot? You know, I didn't uh, begrudge Tim Tebow for trying to, you know, uh, make it as a baseball player. I certainly wouldn't do that for Christian Hackenberg. Uh, uh, you know, it's an interesting circumstance with Hack, and I know that you and I have talked about it, Scott, the, in the past, I'm sure. You know, you've talked about it uh, with a lot of different people uh, over the years, just kind of how his short NFL career unfolded. And I really, you know, even to this day, think you know he would have been much better off, perhaps not financially, but just much better off uh, from all the other standpoints if he were drafted in day three. Which which is when you know, he probably should have been drafted, but uh, you know, Mike McCagnan fell in love with him at a private workout uh, on campus in the run up to the the 2016 draft, and and frankly, uh, you know, there were people in that organization that uh, you know were you know on board with uh, ultimately drafting Christian Hackenberg, just not on board with taking him uh, with the 51st overall pick in the second round, and what I think is interesting is that uh, Bill O'Brien, who coached Christian Hackenberg at Penn State, uh, was picking one slot behind the Jets at 52, I believe, and uh, Houston made a trade with the Falcons to jump over the Jets, and uh, you know, in those few moments when uh, 
nobody knew that the Texans were actually trading up for Nick Martin, a center. Uh, people in that building, in the Jet building, specifically Mike McCagnan, was spooked uh, thinking that uh, he was going to lose out on Hackenberg because he felt that Hackenberg's college coach was actually jumping over the Jets to take the quarterback, and he ultimately didn't. So uh, the Jets, in theory, were in the clear. They could have waited another round or two, um, ideally you know, wait a few more rounds, but at least wait another round before taking Hackenberg. But, uh, you know, from the people that I spoke to at the time, I think that uh, Mike McCagden was sufficiently spooked where he didn't want to risk it, and that's why he took Hackenberg in the second round uh, with that 51st overall pick. Obviously, it didn't work out. Uh, he never really had a, a true opportunity to at least show what he could do in the NFL, but we've seen what Hackenberg has done subsequently in the XFL uh you know, there's a lot of variables at play. We don't know what kind of player he ultimately would have become if he got an opportunity earlier, but I think it's safe to say that if he had the requisite skill set to be an NFL starter, even an NFL backup, uh, you know, he would be in the league right now, and he's not. One of many terrible decisions by Mike McCagnon, of course. Manish, they say that these things come in threes, so who is going to be the next former Jets quarterback to make a go of a baseball career? I'm going to put my money on Bryce Petty. You know what? I don't know off the top of my head if Petty has a baseball background. It wouldn't surprise me if he played baseball in high school. A lot of these quarterbacks are just exceptional athletes. They play basketball, baseball. Uh, so I don't know off the top of my head if he did. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he did play baseball. I just don't know off the top of my head. But uh, uh, I don't believe that Christian. I mean, that sorry, that Bryce Petty is going to come back into the NFL. So if he does, uh, you want to give baseball a shot? Uh, it wouldn't shock me. But uh, now I wish uh, Hackenberg. Uh, you know all the luck, uh, regardless of where he ends up. I think he'll be able to play competitively, professionally, you know, at some level. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball is, is it's a tough path to get to. You know, I, I don't know if it's, you know, uh, feasible, realistic for a guy who hasn't played since high school, 25-year-old, I should say, who hasn't played since high school to, to make it to the majors. You know, stranger things obviously have happened, but uh, he's an athletic player. He obviously has a ways to go to – to improve, he, you know, he's getting some tutelage from uh, the coaching staff at the Rutgers Camden. So uh, we'll see how far it takes him. But uh, again, he's a competitive guy. He made a lot of money in the short amount of time that he was in the NFL. So uh, you know, this is the window of opportunity to to give another sport a chance. You know, who are we to say that uh, he shouldn't do it? He should do whatever makes himself happy. And uh, this clearly is it. Uh, you know, I can say from my interaction with Hackenberg. In the time that he was with the Jets, I always thought he was an upfront guy. You know, he had been criticized uh, at various points in college as well. He started off with such a great, true freshman season at Penn State with Bill O'Brien, and then went through some some rocky moments when uh, there was a, a new coaching staff. And then he really bounced back. I thought well at the end of his college career, and you know, through that roller coaster at the college level, uh, you know, he handled himself well in the face of criticism. And then clearly. You know, things didn't go his way uh, with the Jets. And, you know, every conversation that I've ever had with him, uh, both on the record and then privately, uh, you know, he's always had a really good outlook. Uh, he didn't ask to be drafted uh, with the 51st overall pick. Uh, again, it did benefit him financially uh, in looking forward to, you know, kind of how it sets up for him the rest of his life from a financial standpoint. But, again, the expectations and the pressure – that comes with a quarterback going to a team that desperately needed a quarterback. You know, he didn't ask to be drafted uh, when he got drafted. Uh, I thought that 
you know, maybe there were some unfair expectations. Uh, you know, he never really got an opportunity uh, with the Jets because he came into a team uh, with an offense coordinator that wanted to play the guy that, uh, you know, would give that team the best chance to win. And clearly Chan Gailey believed in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, and, uh, you know, the circumstances just didn't line up. You know, you hear players uh, and coaches say that all the time. And most of the time fans will just brush that aside and say that's just, you know, an excuse that's just a cliche, you know, just wasn't the right time, uh, the wrong team. But I, I really do think, you know, he, he didn't get much uh, you know, true coaching uh, when he was a rookie uh, for a number of different reasons that we don't have to go into now. But uh, I think he could have been put in a better situation than the one that he was put in. And again, I don't want to make excuses for him because he did get opportunities after he left the Jets and, uh, you know, and it never really came to fruition. And if he did have the type of talent to be an NFL starting caliber quarterback or uh, a legitimate backup quarterback, I, I think he would be in the league right now, but he's not. So, uh, you know, it didn't work out for him. I remember speaking to him a number of times uh, about this specific topic, and he would always say that different quarterbacks who have made it uh, in the league, uh, whether it was a long-term backup or a starter, they all – took their own path. They all, all had their different, uh, you know, avenues to get to where they got to. Though we always kept a positive outlook uh, in less than ideal circumstances. Uh, I always commended him for that. And again, uh, you know, just, just from my interactions with him, he's the type of guy that you wanted to see succeed because uh, you know, he did get a lot of criticism thrown his way. Uh, he rarely, uh, you know, fired back. I think there were a couple times in which he expressed his frustration. Um, it bubbled to the surface. I think that's only natural. That's human nature. But by and large, uh, I thought he was extremely professional and uh, you know, tried to look at the glass half full as best as he could. And you know, when I thought he had an opportunity uh, at the end of his second year, it was week 17, they were playing in uh, New England Really, the Jets were out of it, had nothing to play for. Uh, I thought he was going to get an opportunity to play, maybe not necessarily start, but at some point in the game to have an opportunity to take a regular season snap. I know that he thought that as well, uh, but uh, you know, it never materialized, and uh, he never got an opportunity to take an NFL snap. Best of luck to Christian Hackenberg in his future endeavors. Hopefully everything works out for him. By the way, I looked it up, Manish, and Bryce Petty did not play baseball in high school. However, he was a discus thrower, so perhaps he's going to try out for the Olympics or something like that. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him or Hackenberg as a quarterback in the NFL, but we can only hope that things work out better for Sam Darnold, who, if nothing else, is looking mighty spiffy throwing touchdown passes to rookie Denzel Mims down in Florida wearing Oakley shades. It's an interesting combination, but that's what's going on this time of year right now. Yeah, it's uh, I guess Darnold's uh, like Southern California cool. Uh, they, I, you know, those passing drills or however you want to characterize them, those few days of, of passing work that Darnold had with uh, the receivers and uh, and some of the running backs uh, were important. And it's not necessarily because uh, you know they're breaking down the playbook and and uh, you know really making inroads into what they're going to have to do when training camp begins. It's more about just the, the camaraderie, the chemistry, getting a feel for the guys, being around 
his teammates, uh, especially the new guys, uh, Brashard Perryman, you mentioned Denzel Mims as well. Uh, you want to get some field work in. That's really what OTAs is all about, right? Uh, we always talk about what kind of value can you get uh, from OTAs when guys are in shorts. I think there's a good amount of value because of the the actual time you're spending on a football field with your teammates. If you're a quarterback, wide receiver, uh, pass-catching running backs, uh, all that stuff matters because anyone who's played at any level uh, on a football team knows – uh, or even any team, forget football, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever, you name the sport, soccer, uh, you, know, you need to have that bond, that chemistry, that understanding with your teammates. Uh, you can't just be thrown in uh, you know, from all different parts of the country onto a football field and expect everything to work perfectly right away. You need time to get a feel for, you know, for, for the player, for the person. Uh, these guys are all not going to become best friends, obviously, but uh, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what being a part of a team is, right? I mean, that's what teamwork is. And what's the saying? Teamwork makes the dream work, right? It's, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a common phrase in and outside of sports, but it's very true. Uh, you need uh, time together, spending time together and, you know, being in front of your laptop in uh, Los Angeles, uh, being in front of your laptop in Texas or Florida and connecting that way is better than nothing, but it's not close, frankly, to being on a field together, and, you know, and, and sharing discussions in between plays about what, you know, what you could have done right, or what was done wrong, or what you did do right. Uh, you know, correcting uh, plays, even if they are in shorts, correcting routes, getting a better understanding of depth in routes, and and what the quarterback saw, what the what the receiver saw. All that stuff matters. All that stuff is cumulative. All that stuff ultimately becomes part of a winning formula, and. It's unfortunate not only for the Jets but for every NFL team that there there hasn't been more of an opportunity to do that for obvious reasons because of the pandemic restrictions this offseason. But getting together in Florida uh, for a few days is important. I don't think that should be discounted. I, don't, I definitely don't believe that it should be marginalized in any way. Now, uh, you know, is it going to set the stage for the Jets to – to win the division? Probably not. I think that's not really relevant. What what matters is you know, spending time together uh, so that you you have a shared understanding uh, so that when training camp actually does begin, these guys aren't strangers to you, uh, even the guys that you played with last year. You know, you have uh, a common shared experience from what will be, what, five five or so weeks ago when training camp actually begins in late July, and these guys would have spent time together in Florida, you know, about five, six weeks earlier. Uh, you know, there's, there's value in that and there's importance in, in that. Uh, so, uh, you know, what was there uh, an outside linebacker running at uh, Sam Darnold when he was making those passes wearing sunglasses? No, there wasn't, there was no pass rush at all. He was wearing a t-shirt and shorts, but uh, you know, you can extract something good out of those few days in Florida. There was no outside linebacker running at Sam Darnold and no inside linebacker like C.J. Mosley either. Although, when training camp does start in July, it is expected that Mosley will participate. So maybe at that point, Darnold will get his shot to try and get away from C.J. Mosley in Oakley's, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't put anything past Greg Williams. You know, having him blitz his middle <laughs> linebacker, I guess, is not unheard of, but... Uh, C.J. Mosley did provide uh, another update, and we've gotten updates uh, throughout the last, you know, six to eight months 
from Mosley and where you know where he's progressing you know, from his sports hernia groin issue that prompted surgery uh, last year. I, I think the biggest hurdle, really the the last important hurdle, significant hurdle, was his a, was his ability to change direction without pain. Because even when he was providing updates in the past and said that he was feeling better and he felt like he was on track to ultimately uh, be ready for the 2020 season. Uh, he would always have a caveat, which was he wasn't really cutting and changing direction because he was still feeling some discomfort. Well, uh, he most recently said last week that uh, there are no restrictions anymore when it comes to planting and cutting. He doesn't feel that pain, and that's significant uh, because playing that position, he's going to have to change direction. I mean, that's pivotal, uh, you know, at the middle linebacker spot. Uh, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, Jets fans and followers have discussed this plenty of times over the last year, but uh, I, I don't know if everyone fully understands how important C.J. Mosley actually is to a defense. I, I don't think you do justice by saying he's the quarterback of the defense. There's so many things specifically that he does right that have made him the Pro Bowl player the, that he is. And there's a reason why the Jets gave him a five-year, $85 million deal with $51 million in guaranteed money. Now, they made him the highest-paid inside linebacker in football, and you can say they overpaid for him. And I think in a vacuum that's true. They did, oh, quote-unquote, overpay for him. But now that he essentially is guaranteed a spot on this team uh, for this year and 2021, because even though on paper it's a five-year, $85 million deal, in essence, uh, when you're talking about guaranteed money, it's a three-year, $51 million deal. So he's not going anywhere until after 2021 at the very earliest. And uh, you know, the Jets hope that they have no reason to even make a decision after 2021 because he's still playing at a high level. But he does so many things that are critical and vital that, that go unnoticed on, on every defensive snap. It's not just lining up the defense uh, when the, you know, the Jets come out of the huddle. Uh, it's understanding what the opposing quarterback is doing before the snap. It's making quick decisions in terms of repositioning guys on your team when you see a different offensive alignment than perhaps you anticipated. And then, of course, post-snap, it's making sure that he's in the right position, uh, the most optimal position, to, to be effective. And there's a lot of things that go through a, an inside linebacker, middle linebacker's head in 10 or 15 seconds uh, You know, when, when they break the huddle. You have to process a lot of information. You have to process it quickly. You know, I thought that, you know, some of the guys that Greg Williams had replacing uh, C.J. Mosley last year did a good job, you know, a solid job, but they're not C.J. Mosley. They're not, they're not the four-time pro bowler. They're, they're not the, the guy who arguably is the, you know, right now the best, uh, assuming he's healthy, the best inside linebacker in football. There's a lot of, you know, there's some other guys who could make that claim perhaps, but he's a difference maker. And when I think of Mosley, I think of a story that uh, Joe Vid actually said last season he remembered early in the 2018 season. It was a Thursday night game, week two, Ravens and Bengals. Mosley only played a handful of snaps and got injured and left for the rest of that game. And the Ravens, frankly, looked lost after Mosley was gone. And that was a, a game that resonated with the Vit. And if it's resonating with the Vit, it's clearly resonating with Greg Williams and the rest of that defensive staff. They know the type of player Mosley is, uh, and they know the, the value that he would bring to their defense. So the fact that the Jets' defense played as well as they did and held it together as well as they did without 
Mosley for the bulk of the season. He only played 114 snaps, uh, you know, parts of two games. The fact that the defense uh, was as strong, frankly, as it was without Mosley is a credit to uh, the coaching staff. It's a credit to the guys that replaced him. But again, I don't think there's a, you know, a true replacement for that caliber of player. And that's why I'm going to be extremely interested to see what this Jet defense can do with a healthy C.J. Mosley for the, for the you know for 16-game season. I mean, this is a player who averaged 988 snaps per season in his five years in Baltimore. He played a fraction of that last year due to injury. If you can get 900-plus snaps out of Mosley this season, uh, this is a defense that uh, can be, you know, one of the better units in the NFL. I'm not saying they're the best defense or the top five defense, but clearly an intimidating style of defense when the heart of it, the central nervous system, is healthy. And that's why, uh, you know, if C.J. Mosley is indeed healthy and remains that way and doesn't suffer a setback, this defense is going to get better in 2020. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Last order of business, Manish, ESPN came out with an all-decade team for each division in the NFL, so there was an all-AFC East team. The Jets had five guys on it, although really one of them was on it for a combination of his play with the Jets and the Dolphins. That was Brandon Marshall. The other four are fairly obvious, Darrell Revis, Nick Mangle, David Harris, and to Brickishaw Ferguson. We'll go down the list real quickly and then we'll talk about if we think any Jets didn't make it that should have. And we can discuss some of the ones that surprised us or some guys that we thought should have gotten on the list. But Tom Brady, the obvious one, he's the quarterback. LaShawn Shady McCoy for the Bills as the running back. You and I talked about this before we started recording. That sounds insane because he wasn't with the Bills that long and only had a couple of really good years. But if you look at the history of the running backs in the AFC East over the last decade, there really weren't very many good options. We talked about Brandon Marshall, Julian Elman from the Patriots is on the list. Jarvis Landry from the Dolphins certainly makes sense with all the production he had there. Rob Gronkowski, no-brainer at the tight end. We talked about the Brickishaw Ferguson. Logan Mankins, the guard from the Patriots, is on the list. Nick Mangold, again, we talked about him. Richie Incognito, that's an interesting one for a thousand different reasons, but he spent time with the Bills <laughs> and the Dolphins. Nate Solder, who has not gotten off to a great start with the Giants, but did really well for the Patriots, is on the list to tackle. Cam Wake, no-brainer there for the Dolphins. Kyle Williams, who's an excellent defensive tackle for the Bills for 12 years. He's there on the list. Vince Wolfwork, another excellent player. He's there. Mario Williams, who spent most of the time during that decade on the Bills, but also a little bit 
on the Dolphins as well. David Harris, we talked about him. I had forgotten for a second, blocked out of my memory, that he had that one year with the Patriots because I kept thinking that his whole career was with the Jets. But the bulk of the good years were with the Jets. Dante Hightower is on the list. You recall they tried to buy him off with cupcakes a couple of years ago, Manish, the Jets, (laughs) when he came in on a free agent visit. Chandler Jones, who has continued to tear it up in Arizona, is on the list. He, of course, was on the Patriots. We talked about Revis. Stephon Gilmore, who spent some time with the Bills but really blossomed with the Patriots. He's on the list. Rashad Jones, a safety from the Dolphins. That makes sense to me. Excellent safety for a long time. Devin McCourty, same thing. Just a great pick there by the New England Patriots. A lot of people thought it was weird that they would pick him over Kyle Wilson, but guess what? They were right. Jakeem Grant from the Dolphins is the kick slash punt returner. Steven Gostowski is the kicker. Makes total sense there. And Brandon Fields, the punter from the Dolphins, makes the list. So Manish, off the top of my head, there aren't a lot that stick out as mistakes. We talked about Shady McCoy, and it just seems weird because he wasn't very good with Buffalo for that long, but it didn't take much. All he had to do was have a couple of really good years, and you look at the rest of the running backs in that division over that time, it's pretty slim pickings. So it looks like ESPN put together a pretty decent list here. Yeah, look, uh, I guess you could squabble uh, if you're a, you know, a Dolphin homer, Bills homer, Jet homer, Patriot homer. Maybe there's a guy that you thought got slighted. But uh, the McCoy <laughs> the McCoy one is so interesting because, you know, in my mind, he's forever a Philadelphia Eagle for all the things he did in Philly. But he did make the Pro Bowl in three of four years in Buffalo. And, yeah, the Pro Bowl isn't – you know, the the be-all, end-all. One of those years he made the Pro Bowl, he didn't rush for 1,000 yards. But he had two really exceptional seasons in Buffalo, 2016 and 2017. Uh, so of those four years he was in the AFC East, he had two dynamite seasons. And, uh, you know, as you said, there, there wasn't a standout running back in the division. You know, Patriots used a running back by committee. Uh, there was nobody with the Jets for any sustained amount of time in the backfield uh, that could they really challenge the, the production that McCoy had in Buffalo. So, uh, you know, I remember him being good in Buffalo. I just, when you're talking about all decade team for the AFC East, shady McCoy doesn't really jump to mind. Uh, and even Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall did spend time obviously in Miami as well, but uh, he probably, I would say had, Oh God, I would say, two exceptional seasons in the AFC East uh, during the decade. Uh, he did have three 1,000-yard seasons. He, you know, barely made the 1,000-yard plateau in 2010 with Miami. But uh, his Pro Bowl season with the Dolphins in 2011, in which he had 1,200, over 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, and then obviously the 2015 season in which he was an absolute beast with uh, uh, over 100 catches, over 1,500 yards, uh, 14 touchdowns. Uh, I believe that led the NFL in receiving touchdowns that year. Uh, you know, one of the best seasons. Uh, you know, I have seen up close and personal at the wide receiver position. Uh, probably because the only other comparisons are Santonio Holmes, Braylon Edwards, and maybe Jericho Cotri. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there are any real snubs. The, the, and I don't think there's any surprise that the Patriots had the most representatives uh, on this all-decade team, 11 Patriots, uh, or 11 guys who played with the Patriots at one point, seven guys who played with the Dolphins, and then five guys who played each with the Bills and the Jets. Uh, that's probably in line of you know for what it should be. And, you know, Mangold and Brick, uh, David 
Harris, Darrell Rivas, uh, all those guys, I think, deserve to be on the All-Decade team. Uh, I, you know, is there – you can you can help me out on this, Scott. Is there a uh, All-Decade player uh, or, or maybe a silver uh, you know, after Brady? Obviously, Tom Brady is. But is there a list of guys who are, you know, in the uh, gold, bronze, silver category? Who are the three best players in the division for the decade? Obviously, Brady is the best. Would you put Gronk second? Would you put Edelman? Does Revis deserve uh, to be one of the top three guys? I think Revis has to be in there. You could make a case for Cam Wake, too. Gronk's got to be there just because of how dominant he was, right? But this is a hard one because you got to go with that combination of outstanding play and longevity. Just taking a quick look at this, I would say you'd probably go Brady, Gronk, and Revis if you had to pick three. It's tough, though. There are a lot of good arguments for somebody like Cam Wake, for example. But, yeah, that's probably who I would yeah, pick. I, I would probably go Brady, Gronk, and Rebus. Yeah, I think Brady and Gronk have to be among the three. And just thinking back to Rebus, uh, he's an all-pro in the first two years of the decade with the, with the Jets. Uh, now... Uh, and he, he was he was a he was an All Pro with the Patriots. So that's three All Pro seasons in the decade in the division. So I, I guess if you'd have to compare Revis and Cam Wake, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I, you know, obviously I saw <laughs> I saw Darrell Revis a lot more than I saw Cam Wake. So I'm partial to Revis. But let's uh, you know if you want to break down what Cam Wake did, he made one All Pro. During the decade, uh, you know, about four Pro Bowls. But one All-Pro, I, I think it's hard to turn down a player who was a, a three-time All-Pro in the decade. So, uh, yeah, I would go with Revis, Gronkowski, and Patriots. So the Patriots actually have a share of every player in that group <laughs> because uh, Darrell Revis helped New England win a Super Bowl as well. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting discussion, you know, especially this time of the season. There's not much going on. Uh you know, decade a new decade is beginning. Uh, we'll 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 see what happens in uh, the next decade. Uh, you know, if you were projecting, who do you think would be the player of the decade? I mean, maybe the player of the decade is you know not even in the di- in the division right now. But uh, I I think everybody kind of knows where I would go with that. But I think if I'm making a prediction in June of 2020, who the player of the decade would be in the AFC East. I'm going to go with Sam Darnold. I'm going to say it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, who somehow Bill Belichick is going to get his hands on in the draft (laughs) because we know that's how this always finds a way to work out. It always ends up in Bill Belichick's favor, and you know that the Patriots are going to find a way to torture the Jets for the next 10 to 20 years because that's just how things always happen. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I'm wrong, but Manish, as a Jets fan, I've always come to expect the worst. So let's hope that you're right and it's Darnold and that it's not Trevor Lawrence getting into the division playing for the Patriots somehow. Manish Mehta covering the New York Jets for the Daily News. As always, really appreciate you coming on. I know that you've got something coming up later in the month at the Daily News, but right now, more than anything, you're just sitting around waiting to see if baseball is going to come back, right? Yeah, I'm not as optimistic as I was uh, a week ago. When the commissioner says that there's going to be baseball played regardless and then walks that back, uh, you have to be concerned as a fan on some level. And I am a fan of baseball. 
and uh, it was just extremely disappointing because I thought that Major League Baseball had a, a window of opportunity here when no other sports were being played uh, to really capture everyone's attention. And unfortunately, the owners and the players cannot come, come to an agreement on finances and money, and that's frankly the last thing that anybody wants to hear. You, me, every fan out there, uh, people who have been laid off, uh, they don't want to hear uh, about the particulars of millionaires fighting billionaires. Uh, I frankly think that the players are in the right. However, I don't agree with the idea of uh, of sitting out the season. Uh, and it's easy for me to say because it's not my money being taken away, but it's really unfortunate that uh, it appears that uh, you know there might not be baseball when you know, there really should be. Uh, you know, in the end, uh, it's a lot of greedy people. I guess that's the easiest way for me to sum it up. Go ahead and follow Manish on Twitter at mmetanydn. Read his work in the Daily News. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it does help us out a lot. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.